Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Abdul Rafi coming to you again from our series of conversations for which we had actually taken a big break. Um, we did a whole bunch of event- conversations about uh, the coronavirus and all the pandemic stuff that had happened several months ago. So now we're back again with Convo with Experts. Uh, today I have brother Malik Abu Luqman with me who will be discussing the stock markets, you know, as many of you know, may have known, uh, you know, this GameStop, short stock, short selling, uh, hedge funds going all out of business, uh, this new controversy that has been going on for the past few days, uh, essentially last week, uh, to get a little bit more of an understanding for lay people like myself who have absolutely no idea of how these stocks work and, and um you know, how to get rich while doing this very halal way. We'll, we'll find out how that's done. And uh, Brother Malik will go through a lot of things with us, inshallah. Um, we'll discuss uh, the halal and haram, uh, Islamic finance. Uh, we'll discuss the issues of uh, what stocks, uh, how Islam looks at stock markets and uh, stock companies or partnerships, etc. A little bit later, bef- uh, at the end, almost at the middle of the show. But before we get into that, and that's the topic I, I would like all of our audience to hang on for and, and concentrate on, inshallah. But before we get to that, you know, uh, the main issues here, uh, let's talk uh, about the, the, you know, how this all came about. Uh, And just to just to give a little bit of a background, uh, Brother Malik, he's an he's an Islamic activist. He's professionally, he's a CPA, chartered chartered professional accountant. Um, He specializes in audits and tech and innovation. Um, you know, he's given a lot of talks on Islamic economics. Uh, he has spoken uh, um, about that quite a bit. Uh, one of his lectures that you can actually look up is the legal status of stocks in Islam. He talks about Islam and world po- poverty. And he runs a, a blog, a website called Freshonomics. Freshonomics, F-R-E-S. H-O-N-O-M-I-C-S, freshonomics.org. Um, I'll put that link up uh, uh, to his blog. Mashallah, he's a, he, he's an, uh, he's, he writes really well with, uh, with simple explanations, as, uh, which is good for people who don't know uh, much about Islamic economics or uh, how the current capitalist model works. So definitely check out his blog, uh, check out his Facebook page as well, um, at Freshonomics as well. Assalamualaikum Malik, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Alhamdulillah. How about you? Alhamdulillah. How's things up in Canada? Alhamdulillah. It's good. We're sheltering in place like everyone else, right? <laughs> um, do you guys have stricter lockdown measures going on over there? No, it's uh, disorganized like everywhere else. So, oh. yeah, yeah, does the, the no one can figure out what, uh, what uh, we, because we don't have states or we have provinces on so province. Yeah. Uh, the provincial leader, uh, the premier, we call them here. Uh, they don't know what they're doing just as much as they don't know what they're doing in the States either, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Inshallah. 
All right, let's let's get down to business then. Sure, right? sounds good. So, you know, tell us what happened. What what's going on with these Wall Street bets with let's say Robinhood with GameStop, uh, GameStop rather, and 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 uh, and short selling. What, what's what's this going on? Well, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. As I just want to say, first of all, Jazakum Allah Khair for uh, you know having me on this uh, on the, and to have this discussion. Um, you know, it's a it's an honor to be here and to discuss this with you. So, so the first thing is that we have to go back to understand what's going on is that a lot of people started the Wall Street bet side of thing and they see GameStop going up. In fact, that's where I started. But there was something that happened just before that, and that's the short selling which you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. So, what happened was the hedge funds went in big time to short sell. So. What is a short sale? Because most people understand like going long on a stock, meaning someone will buy a share of a company. They think like Tesla is going to go up. So they think it's going to go up because they believe in the future prospects of the company. So they go what is called going long, meaning they invest long term because they think the stock is going to appreciate in value. Now, what these hedge funds did was because it's a pandemic, because people are probably not going to go to the mall um, you know, they had a certain logic as to why they were going to short sell, but the short sell, what it does, it makes money when the stock actually goes down, right? So they were assuming that GameStop was going to go down because it's a pandemic and they're going to get wiped out like a lot of the retailers, like JCPenney, for example, in yeah. the US got wiped out, right? So then what happened was, now there's something weird in capitalism because it kind of, as you know, the uh, capitalist system doesn't really necessarily deal with reality a lot of the time. So they have this, they have in the, in the, in the, uh, when it comes to stocks, a stock can exist in two places. So they were able to do the short sell. Uh, there's about 70 million shares outstanding and they were going to short sell about 140%. So they were going to short sell, let's say the mass. So you're, you're betting that the stock value is going to basically tank is that that's the short sell correct yeah so the short sell what they do is the way short sell works is that they will borrow the the shares so for example they'll go these hedge funds will go to goldman sachs let's say and they'll say let, let me borrow 100 million shares of of gamestop they'll go and mm-hmm. sell it on the market yeah and they assume it's going to go down to nothing and then they'll pay they'll go back to goldman sachs buy it at nothing and say here you go goldman sachs here's your shares for nothing right mm. um Right. So then, and then you could actually do that. You could just borrow something. You can't, you don't, you don't need to like buy it. That's right. You, you like, instead of buying, like, like, yeah. you, when, like when someone gets a mortgage, they borrow yeah. the, the money, but here you're borrowing actual stock. stock right. So stock. Yeah. you go, you borrow the stock. Um, and then you, uh, because what you, your debt is repaid in stock itself, not money. Right. Mm. So, yeah. and, and there's ribbon in it too. Right. So the interest rate, for this, this trade, and this will be important later on to understand the pressure, but it, the riba on this was about 24% interest rate. On, on this particular stock? On, on in general, in short sell? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like Goldman Sachs is not going to loan you the stuff for free, right? Right, right of course not. <laughs> so they're going to charge you riba, right? So they sure, charge yeah. these guys riba, right? Yeah. So yeah, so, the, so, so, they, so they short sold, not only, the, so they short, short sold more than 100% of the shares. So there's right. 70 million shares outstanding. So let's say they short sold, let's say 90 million, 98 yeah. million shares, right? So then what these Wall Street bet guys, they, they figured out what was going on. They saw this, this thing. So the thing is, as you know, the way the short sale works is that you have to come back in and buy the stocks, right? So they started piling in into the stock, right? And they started putting the pressure on the stock to, to yeah. go up, right? And so then when, when, the, when the short sale from the hedge fund perspective started going bad, right? the hedge funds realized they're going to get their heads handed to them. Right. So then they, so then what they did was they started buying the stock back. And so guess what happens when you buy the stock back, right? Yeah. The, the share price goes back up. So it, because yeah. they're buying the stock back and they needed to buy so much, they themselves 
started putting the, the share price back up. So the, mm -hmm. the share price went up even more and more and more, right? Right. And so, and then really the last piece of it is that mm -hmm. the, there, there was another thing that, uh, that caused the, the exponential rise. Cause if you look at the stock charts, it's like, it's like almost like a cliff. Like it just yeah. kind of goes up, up to the side. And what the wall street bet guys is that they didn't actually buy stock. They bought something called, they bought something called, called options. Now options, mm -hmm. what options are is that they're, uh, they're a contract that gives them the right to buy a, a stock at a certain price called, it's called call option. Right. And so the advantage of doing that is so instead of, uh, you know, let's say the stock's $40, uh, you can buy a hundred of these options for, let's say, or you can buy one option for uh, $3.35, right? This is uh, from Bluebird, right? Yeah. So, so what they did is that, so if you have a thousand bucks, it gives you way more, uh, way more ability to get in, in, in on the action. Now, where this came to really hammer the hedge funds is what happened is that these guys, these, these Wall Street bet guys bought so much options that the when they were buying this contract, because who's going to give the contract? Again, it's a Goldman Sachs type person that's going to give you the contract, right? Yes. Well, Goldman Sachs has has like risk management people at the back, and they're seeing all these call options coming in, and they'll have to cover them, meaning that they'll have to find the stock. So these what they have to do to, to manage their risk, they have to go buy GameStop stock, right? Yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden, you have now the all these like uh, these institutional investors all of a sudden going into the market to buy all these GameStop stocks, right? So so the, these Wall Street bet guys, they really found a, like a sort of almost like a loophole and they really handed it to the hedge funds and the hedge funds, uh, you know, they got billions in losses that what they had to go and uh, actually get bailed out by other hedge funds. Uh, there was a in New York post. They said that when one, one hedge fund had, had to get uh, $3 billion from another hedge fund. So it, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, it's a loophole, but, uh, right. but they were able to, they got, that, that's what happened in a, in a, in a nutshell. Okay. So now moving on to this, I mean, you see that, you know, you know, the users from Reddit, they kind of get together and, and they form this sort of a movement, essentially, so that they can uh, work against these hedge funds, right? Right. Uh, so Melvin Capital and, and all these other guys. Uh, um, and, you know, they start, okay, they start seeing these hedge funds trying to short uh, games, uh, GameStop, AMC, and some of the other companies. Right. So the people come in and they invest in this so that the stock value actually goes up and these hedge fund guys continue to lose money. Right. Now, this sort of, um, let's say, movement or even when we call it uh, a collective effort from the people, how do you, you see that? How do you see, how do you evaluate this? Why are people doing this? So I think there's there's multiple reasons. So I think that, you know, we, we should be clear that people also obviously yeah. want to make money. There was it, like, when you look at the fact that they had bought more shares on outstanding, the, the Wall Street guys had done their homework, right? These Wall uh -huh. Street guys had done their homework. There's like, there's a tendency in the media to dismiss people, whether it's Occupy Wall Street, whether it's these Wall Street bet guys, or it's us right. Muslims, right? Like they'll dismiss us, right? Like, you know, in, in, in a sense, right? Because these riffraff or whatever it is, right? And so uh, uh, there was a billionaire who ex-Facebook, uh, ex his name is Chamatha Palapachia, he uh, he he like said he went into the forums and he he like said like these guys have done their homework like one of the things is that um, um, GameStop had retained the services of Ryan Cohen who used to be on uh, Chewy which is an online pet retailer so there was and they brought him onto the board and there was, so th there was what they call in the capitalist parlance uh, they call uh, you know in the capitalist speak is that they that these guys had fundamentals right so I mm. mean you have to distinguish between capitalism and Islam which we'll talk about sure. so I want to be careful there. Yeah, but yeah. but there was basis to believe that GameStop was not totally dead. Like there was a basis mm -hmm. to believe that 
okay, this stock might actually go up. And and this guy, Ryan Cohen, bought, for example, 11% of the GameStop shares back in August, right? So, So there was a basis to believe that. So what I want to make clear is that these guys were in it to make money. There was a basis to make money. But what the what the media has reported and and is there is a sentiment against the one percent right like correct people yes, were, yeah. people were elated and happy that the hedge funds were getting murdered you know they yeah. were and there was that element to that that these greedy hedge funds right and part of the hypocrisy of of this whole outcry from the one percent um is that you know why 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 when it came to the banks they stopped the short selling, but they didn't, when it came to GameStop, they didn't stop the short selling, right? Mm-hmm. Like back in 2008, Andrew Cuomo, who was the attorney general back then yeah. in New York, yeah, yeah. he was like, this is like looting after a hurricane, right? So something yeah. to that effect, right? But where was that outcry now for GameStop, right? I mean, it's a pandemic, right? Like, wh- like why are you like allowing this type of, like, like people are going to lose their jobs. People, it's going to be like bad as we know in, in the US, you know, in Canada, we have healthcare. We know in the States, you don't, right? right. Like if you lose your job, you're done, right? So you know, there's, you know, there's this kind of dual kind of thing. So when, when, uh, when a lot of the sentiment on the ground was that these things, it's also like a comeuppances, like meaning it's like, uh, you know, that, you know, these, these hedge funds get bailed out uh, when it's, when it's, when they're going down. And so we want to hand their head to them. So there's also that element of it where it's, uh, yeah. you know, that uh, it's kind of, ju- you know, uh, justice, right? So, you know, just desserts. It's, it's interesting that even Elon Musk, a billionaire who, who essentially support, supported, the people, I mean, the people, I mean, um, just like the same guy that you mentioned, uh, Chatham, uh, the F- uh, Facebook guy, by the way, he has a, he has a different history too. He has these, uh, campaign finance issues that he's been, uh, doing, but that's a different story altogether. Cause he pumped a lot of money into the Biden campaign and, and so forth. But right. nonetheless, um, so let, let's move on a little bit. Then, sure. you know, um, you know, you talked about Wall Street, the, the empire strikes back, right? The Wall Street strikes back, the empire of these, all of these major corporations, they all essentially come together and say, you know what, hold on a second. These people are making way too much money. We're losing all these money. All these yeah. funds are actually, um, uh, they lost, uh, it's in one stat, uh, I read it said $70 billion worth of short positions that they had, they lost that amount of money. That's a ton of money. Right? Yeah. Um, from for the, all these hedge funds, and and by the way, these hedge funds obviously just for our viewers, they, they own billions of dollars worth of money or, or trade and and so forth, right? So, Robinhood stops trading on GameStop, correct? Right. Um, and 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 basically, these guys all of a sudden come and talk about, oh, we need more regulation. Right. Hold off, you know. Um, and then uh, you know Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, uh, uh, what's her name, Janet Yellen, yeah. government starts to step in. How do you see all of this then? Yeah, it's it's um, it's uh, do as I say, not as I do, right? It's kind of like uh, you know this uh, this um, you know only the it's like it's uh, you know the way people feel about it is that this is a game for the one percent, right. and that it's uh, you know that it's a rigged game, and and when you you figure out the game, then they then they change the rules on you. And it's kind of like this, um, this kind of reality. And, you know, as we, we, as Muslims, like if you look back at our history, for example, recent history, like for example, in Algeria, yeah. the Muslims won the elections back then. Um, the, the, there was an Islamic party, uh, Islamic Salvation Front. It's like yeah. they won and then they, they, they got cooed out of existence, right? And it's kind of like the same sort of thing, right? Like whenever, 
whenever the little guy or the 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 the, the challenger tries to get ahead, then they the, they just change the rules around them, and you're not allowed to do that. And it's kind of weird. You hear on CNBC mm-hmm. when the the commentators talking about regulation, and they're the first one to say, "No, no, no regulation for me. Right. Yeah. Free markets yeah. and you know, free freedom works and all this stuff, right?" Mm-hmm. And that's and that's one of the things is that when it comes to you know, like this regulation and this type of thing is that it's, we should always be clear that the purpose of the capitalist system is to protect liberty, right? It's not to take care of people, right? Like in, in Arabic, when we use the word siyasa politics, it means to take care of the affairs of people, right? So for example, during the Aramada, during the famine, uh, Umar bin Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, when he was the Khalifa, he brought in goods from uh, Egypt to bring down the prices so people could afford goods and survive because the, you know, people were getting wiped out because of the famine, right? Correct, yeah. Whereas in capitalism, that's not the case. The case is to protect the liberty of people. And so the freedom of ownership means the 1%, you know, who own the ma- vast majority of stocks. Like, they have uh, more freedom. Huh? <laughs> they have more freedom. Right. right. They have more, exactly. You know, because yeah. you, you own everything, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and that's the point is that the, 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 the courts and the, and the system as it was designed by the founding fathers of America, like James Madison said, the purpose of the system is to quote unquote, protect the minority of the opulent. So it's not, it's not that to, to make a fair, like it's not about competition. So people think, Oh, capitalism about competition. You're just right. being gaslighted, right? Like that's not the, they just tell you those things. It's really to, if you go back to, you know, Federalist paper number 10 in America, that's what James Madison said. So like you can read it clearly. You can put minority opulent in quotes. That's what capitalism is about, right? It's about protecting the rich. Right. Uh, another point I want to make, just so that our audience, so anybody who's joining us, inshallah, jazakallah khairan, uh, we will take questions. Brother Malik will answer all of your questions, inshallah. We'll mm-hmm. do that at the end. Uh, and uh, jazakallah khair for joining in. Uh, so definitely join in the conversation. If you have any comments or questions, just leave that uh, on, on the uh, comment section in the, on the Facebook page. And inshallah, we'll get to that. Um, one thing I want to mention, Janet Yellen, I, I mentioned, and we, you know, she's a treasury secretary. You know, now, um, she was paid by Citadel, right? Citadel is a hedge fund. She was paid eight hundred thousand uh, dollars for a speech. Um, you know, you know, all of these guys, all of these people who who work in big business, they eventually get into government, and then they're supposed to regulate the same business that they're uh, they they used to be part of, or they at least helped uh, gain profits for them. Uh, you know, Citadel last year uh, made six point seven billion dollars on the market volatility. Yeah, you know, um, and that and and this is these are top hedge funds. Now they have a person in government that will look out for them, not for you and I, the the average person. You right. Know? Uh, so the ones that are being slayed are just us, not the not the the dragons of hedge funds. Um, you know, there was one article written by Matt Taibbi. Uh, he said that uh, the top hedge funds made the largest profits last year. Yeah, you know, during this whole pandemic, while you and I were 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 struggling to pay for rent, we're struggling to pay for mortgage for the people who have a mortgage, etc. For people who don't have jobs, the you know, uh, majority of the people are getting squeezed, while these hedge funds are able to make billions of dollars, and and this is all legal, correct, Malik? This is completely yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely, and then and that's it. it's understanding that this um, that who, you know, like as you pointed out, Janet Yellen or, you know, what, whoever's in the White House or yeah. whatever it is that they work for a certain, you know, the, they work for a certain group of people, right? So in the Obama White House, for example, Google was like, like was there almost like every week, you know, like there and, and magically they didn't get, you know, prosecuted under antitrust, right? Even yeah. though they did some egregious stuff and, just, and that's it is. Like, in fact, the, 
the way uh, the main one of the main fundraisers for Obama uh, second term was Google, right? Mm -hmm. So magically, no antitrust action. But in Europe, you know, Google's been censured quite quite uh, dramatically, like two billion dollars in fines. So you know, which one is it, right? So so this kind of gives you an idea of that. And um, you know, as as you said, and one of the big things that uh, even more broadly, when you look at the CARES Act, which was passed back in March. Mm The, you know, even Jim Cramer from uh, Mad Money on CNBC, who's not, he's a hedge fund, he was a hedge fund guy himself. He said this is the biggest transfer of wealth from the 99% to the 1%, right? So when that CARES Act went in, even though people like Bernie Sanders and AOC were behind that and were supporting that, when you look at the fine print... It's really the, the these trillionaires and billionaires that, that are getting all that money. And uh, Matt Stoller of um, uh, he has a he has a, a book called Big, which is about monopolies, but he also is on Substack with uh, Matt Taby. Mm-hmm. Um, he he put it at six trillion. That was the amount of wealth that these guys got because basically they got interest free loans from the Fed. And that's what mm-hmm. when you're talking about why the yeah. hedge funds or the the big banks why they're making record profits. Hey, but we're getting a. 600 bucks we just got 600 bucks two <laughs> yeah that's good right. stuff man <laughs> i believe right so <laughs> you know it'll pay it'll, it'll it'll pay for gas and electricities yeah yeah uh your uh man that's six trillion dollars yeah six trillion that's uh that's what they and some, some even put it up, up to even as much as 10 but um yeah but, uh, matt and uh, uh, matt stoller uh he puts it down to six trillion yeah and so that that is the the reality of the system. Like that's who government works for, and that's that's who gets paid. And that's why, like, so it should be clear that this is not real. Mo- like in a sense, it's not like they're doing any kind of real economic activity, as you talked mm, about. Correct. Yeah. You know that. You know what is the real value these guys are adding, right? So, for example, when you know when you think about you know a teacher who goes to school and you know barely you know makes anything like thirty thousand thousand, right? Like they're actually doing something of value. But what these guys are just trading paper, right? Mm. And that's what it is. They're just getting all this liquidity from the Fed which is making money, you know, money out of nothing. And this is where the profits are coming from. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Two points there then. Uh, what I, uh, you mentioned Google. Google comes to save uh, uh, Robinhood, right? Robinhood's rating drops to one-star rating. Yeah. Because uh, people leave all these bad comments. Google starts deleting these 100,000 comments that dropped its rating to, to one. Right. Uh, so you have other businesses coming to save these other businesses, these other hedge funds. Right. Similarly, you see government doing the same. So it's a whole cabal of big business and government working just for the benefit of the 1%, uh, uh, just uh, so that they end up keeping the, the wealth in co- concentrated among themselves, essentially. And yeah. in this case, much of the wealth is, 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 is you know, fake, really. Right. Yeah. Um, um, just I want to make sure that the, the audience gets that point. And uh, the other example I was trying to kind of bring out was Elon Musk. All of a sudden, he's uh, the the world's biggest billionaire. Yeah. Uh, it's not like he his his value just went up. And how did that happen? How is that Elon Musk is was I think fifth or sixth in terms of the billionaire list, and all of a sudden he's much uh, he's more sorry, wealthy than Jeff Bezos. It's not like he produced a million more Teslas where, you know, now everybody has a Tesla. How, how does that happen, Malik? So, I mean, what they teach us in school in corporate finance, it's yeah. uh, the con- concepts behind this is something called discounted cash flow. So they teach you all this stuff. Uh, you know, th- this is what they teach you. I'm not saying this is necessarily true, but what they okay. teach you is that they, they look at what they call discounted cash flows. And the idea is that the theory is that a company will produce cash flows in the future. Mm. And then, 
and then and then therefore the function of the company is that uh, when you value a company, you look at its potential potential in the future. So when you when you kind of step back and you kind of say, okay, wait wait a minute, how do you know how much money you're going to make in the future, and how much uh, there's something called a discount rate. So the more risky it is, the higher the discount rate. So yeah. so the point is that when you look back and you and you and you and you kind of step back and you say, wait a minute, isn't this pure speculation? Like, how do you know what the money is in the future, right? And it's funny because uh, when Alan Greenspan was uh, hauled in front of Congress for his mis- uh, misdeeds uh, as it relates yes. to the financial crisis. That's exactly what he said. He said, basically, we have to do our best when it comes to forecasting, but we cannot expect uh, infallibility or omniscience, right? So basically he's saying, because I'm not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like this, yeah. these models really don't work, right? And that's exactly right. what it is, right? Is that these models are very highly speculative and they're not based on, and it's just really just, it's just theory, capitalist theory, but it's no basis in reality. Like to give you like an, a contrast, for example, like if I, you know, I have this, like, you know, this bottle here, like it yeah, can't yeah. be worth, like, let's say it's, it's, it's uh, 15 bucks. It can't be yeah, worth a million dollars tomorrow because it's the same atomic structure. It's the same as the same function, as you said. Right. Yeah. So then how can it be, you know, how can reality be dual, right? It can only be one reality. Either this thing is worth, you know, either, like you said, amount of Teslas is a certain amount of atoms and, 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 and transistors and electricity and things like that. It can't just go up and down like that, that wildly. Yeah, like, okay, like 10%. Okay, that makes, you know, we can understand that. But this is, this is the point, and it kind of gets into the virtual reality that is capitalism, right? Because especially mm-hmm. with, I would say the principal problem is the, the fact that the U.S. went off the gold standard back in 1971, right? With Nixon, right? To yeah. close the gold window and betrayed essentially uh, the promise that America made to the world, which was that they were going to be the bankers of the world. And uh, what I believe, uh, you know, one of the Nixon officials told the Europeans, he said, it's our currency, but it's your problem. But since since that has happened, all the rails have gone off, right? There's no, yeah. there's no real rea- grounding to the capitalist economy anymore. And that's why you see all these trillions of dollars of money just coming out of nowhere and all that. If they stuck to the gold standard, it would it would have been a very different economy, and it, there'd be some kind of peg to reality. But you know, this is the this is how you get to that point where you know the stocks can just go up and down that wildly because there is no gravity to them. Right? Essentially, they're just absorbing that those those dollars that are coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so ha- is this a Ponzi scheme? Then, I mean, this term is used quite often. You know, especially yeah. with uh, what's going on, you can you can see uh, how stocks are valued and then they're sold, and there's nothing backing it. Like you said, with the, with the whole fiat system, it's supposed to collapse somewhat, Tom. Right? I mean, this is a pon- <laughs> What do you think? Yeah. So just to clarify, what a Ponzi scheme yeah. is? That uh, what a Ponzi scheme is is it's a completely illegitimate business. So what a Ponzi scheme is is that and Bernie Madoff is a great example of this. Right. Yes. Yeah. With this, so what it is, you get one set of investors, and they'll invest a certain amount, and then you promise a certain amount of returns. Let's say twenty percent returns. But instead of actually having a legitimate business, what you do is then you get a second set of investors, and you pay them out of their what they'll invest another set of let's say a million bucks. So then you pay the first set with the with the cash you get from the second set of investors. Yeah, and you keep that going until it until it becomes too unsustainable to measure. And so what I would say is that. What you what's the similarity between stocks and uh, and a Ponzi scheme is that you're buying an illusion, mm-hmm. right? Right? Is that there's a gap between what is the net realizable value of of what the company is really worth in 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 sort of real terms, and then what is on what is what is it called a market capitalization, right? So you can see that clearly with GameStop, right? Like GameStop, the point is that like when Elon Musk, uh, you know, he tweeted gain stonk, and yeah. then eight billion dollars worth of market capitalization came out of nowhere. 
right? Mm. So obviously that's virtual wealth. It has no basis in reality and it doesn't really exist, right? You know, yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's it's the same. It, it's the same corner store with the same stock value, the same sort of stock on its shelves, right? It, no, nothing has changed, but it's capitalization just somehow uh, got overinflated. So yeah. just to just to go into this a little bit, who determines this capitalization? So yeah, it's it's totally determined by the market, right? Like the, the okay. market capitalization is just it's just a function of taking the amount of shares outstanding. So for example, if you take uh, like a, there's about 70 million shares outstanding of GameStop, and so if you multiply times 200, that gets your mark. If the, the stock price is 200, I don't know what it's trading at right now. Right. And that would be that. So I think it'd be I think it ended up being like 14 billion approximately, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's how market cap works. Now what what GameStop is actually worth, as you were surmised, is is like you have to go into the store. You have to look at the store. You have to look at what's on the shelf in terms of video games and consoles and all that inventory. You multiply that up, the fixtures. You take all the assets. Like, if, for example, our, let's just say for argument's sake, they own their store locations. You right. would take the real estate value of that, and that would be the real value. Like, that's actually when you go buy it. Like, if you're going to buy a store, just imagine what you would do. Like, you would go and value all these components, and then you come to the value, and that's how much the company's worth. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, that, that, that could, you could apply that to any company, by the way. I mean, all of these, especially with the pandemic, we've seen that all these companies, uh, they're, you know, actually none of, nobody has money. They're all in debt, right? They're, they're all in debt. They're all paying off their mortgages for they're They're paying off even GameStop. I'm, I'm pretty sure it doesn't own its stores. It's probably paying some, <laughs> some real estate company, some bank, something, right? right. Uh, it's just the whole thing is just based on, uh debt and the interest upon that debt right and that's a bit where you're like whatever i agree with the ponzi scheme kind of an analysis analysis is that when someone buys a stock there it's contingent on someone buying the stock in the future and that's kind of that other another overlap it's not that it's just virtual it's that you're 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 basically waiting for that other sucker to come and buy that stock right because <laughs> when, when the chair of musical chairs stop yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting on the ground and that like you know like when you look at these companies that got killed by the pandemic whether it's hertz or yeah well, Hertz was not really the pandemic, but these companies, you know, when they when they go to go back to zero, like J.C. Penney or these other people got hammered by the pandemic, where was the where was the future cash flows that people predicted just a year before, right? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing yeah. is that eventually reality catches up, and then you end up, you know, nowhere, you know, and these these stocks go back to nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. Time, inshallah. All right. Uh, just for the audience who's joining in, Jazakallah khairan. Uh, we will be taking questions now. We're going to move to. Uh, a different set of uh, discussion. I mean, we'll switch gears here a little bit. So now that at least we have some understanding, I mean, obviously uh, we have to, we can definitely discuss this at a, at a much deeper level and get a PhD just by listening to them. <laughs> but <laughs> let's go to this issue then for majority of the Muslims. Right. especially the youth. And this, and this is, I think, we have to understand, and I would like our audience to really focus on this part, at least, uh, was that, you know, and I remember in school, um, in, in college, you know, almost all the kids I knew were investing in some stock, right? right. They had Robinhood on their phones, and they had, you know, Fidelity, whatever these, all these trading companies and their and their apps are and you know obviously a college student doesn't have millions of dollars but they're just trading you know a few bucks here a few bucks there a few pennies here you know there was a one thing at one point called penny stocks people were doing right, right? Uh, um and then uh you know this 
movie became quite famous, The Big Short, you know, about the 2008 uh, financial crisis. And, um, I, I, you know, it was a pretty good movie. And it's kind of shocking of how um, the system actually works, you know, uh, yeah. how uh, uh, people were still making money while you and I were being kicked out of our houses, right? Uh, and so forth. So anyway, so, you know, we see that commonly that Muslims, especially the young kids, uh, they are investing in stocks. Um, they, 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 all, they all know this. Uh, you know, they all have these fancy apps and, and so forth and uh, whatever. And, and this is because, uh, they, okay, they think that this is, this is where you can make some extra money to pay for school, pay for, you know, whatever it is, right? Some people just do it for fun. You know, as simple as that. How does Islam look at this? What's the Islamic hukum, the halal and the haram? And and this is something at the end of the day, for us Muslims, the halal and the haram is what is needed to guide us to believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maintaining his 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 uh, obedience and inshallah gaining Jannah. So Malik, how do we look at this? So I think it's, uh, you know, at, when I graduated from uh, university, it was quite different because it was uh, just, you know, in a, it was a long time ago, so that we didn't really have uh, cell phones or uh, smartphones back right. then, right? So, I mean, the best thing was uh, BlackBerry at that time. But um, so, what I would say is that uh, you know we should reflect on the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, where he says that Islam will, uh, you know, came as a stranger, um, it uh, will leave as a stranger and will return as a stranger. And so, when we sometimes when we counter the the hukum about things, we're shocked, right? Because we had a certain understanding of Islam, and then suddenly we counter new information that's exactly how it was for me when I really learned about the hookum of stocks because I bought into this whole capitalist mythology as it relates to companies as we described right yeah, yeah. and so when it what I what what the proper way of looking at this is the first thing is to understand the need for ishtihad when what like when we look at Imam Shafi rahimallah or the you know Imam Abu Hanifa rahimallah like what did they spend all their time like on analyzing uh you know hookums on things right because they knew that when it came to whether it's using the bathroom or whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's uh, constructing an economy, it's contracts, all these things, these are deep top topics in fic, because when it comes to these things, unlike science and technology, for example, they didn't write about science and technology in a, in a sense, like from a fic perspective, they only focus on these things. Why? Because this is what the, the Islam came to help to help us govern how we run societies and things like that. Right. And how we do transactions. It's Islam is a way of life. Right. And so when it comes to the issue of stocks, what we have to do when we make ishtihad, we have to study the reality of the stock contract and we have to then look at the relevant uh, evidences, the adilla from Islam, right? So what the right area to look at is partnership contracts, right? Which is, is spelled out in, 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 in Islam in a detailed way. Even the Ottomans, for example, uh, if you Google Al-Majalla online, yeah. you will see that they have codified the Hanifafik and you can easily adopt it and you can go and uh, you can do partner, control F partnerships in there. And you'll find there's detailed rules on that. And so part of the rules is that is you must have ijab and kabul, right? Offer and acceptance. So this in, is a in, in, uh, finalizing a contract. I mean, when you're forming a partnership, is that just to be clear, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So like when, when you, just like you see it, like we've all either married or been to marriages, right? So is that you see there's an offer and acceptance, right? So between the husband and the, and the, and the wife's representatives, there's an offer and acceptance of, of a contract. So similarly, there's a similar kind of process when it comes to, uh, the stock when it comes to partnerships in a partnership structure there must be uh, there must be two sides two human beings involved where there'll be an offer of partnership and then an acceptance of of partnership between two real people so if I was going to get in partnership with you we're going to start a medical technology company I would offer you partnership we mm -hmm. would agree 
and you would accept or reject and then we'd come down and form this contract and then that would be the way forward. Now, when it comes to the stock contract, where it fails that understanding is that when you look at the IPO process, the initial public offering process, this is where a private company will become mm -hmm. a public company and get listed on the stock exchange. Lots of regulations, a lot of hurdles to come through, a lot of, uh, you know, you know, you know, auditors and, you know, investment banks, and there's a huge process and I'm not denying any of that. But what, where the rubber, where the, where the car goes off into the ditch from an Islamic perspective is that when, when someone buys a stock from Facebook or someone buys a like IPO in Amazon or Facebook, they're not partnering with Zuckerberg. They're not partnering with, uh, with Amazon. Even the board of directors are not a, a, a wakil or they're not a representative of those people, right? What they're partnering with is a corporation, right? So there's an, I, an offer from a, a non-entity, like a non-human, and then the acceptance is with, uh, then you accept that, right? So there's an acceptance, but no actual offer because in Islam, in the offer must come from a human being, right? So it must come from a, there must be a vocal offer, meaning it can be in writing, can be from an agent, it can be from something, but there must be another side to that contract, just like in a marriage, right? Right. Like you can't have a marriage without, without the other side, right? So the same thing with the same with the partnership contract and, you know, kind of speaks to like the influence of secularism on us, right? Like when we think it's different, right? But it's not different. It's the same thing. There must be a human being on the other side of it. And this is the, the bedrock. So the, where, where, what, what, what another dimension for us to think about is that where this goes to accountability, right? So for example, who's accountable for uh, Facebook? Who's accountable for HSBC, for example? So HSBC, for example, recently um, got trouble. Matt Taby reported this as well yeah. about how they were laundering money for the Sinaloa cartel, one of the cartels right. in the state. Yes, they were, yeah. 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 And they got fined $1.9 billion. But who went to jail? Nobody. Nobody, right? Because no yeah. one's in charge, right? No one's accountable. Islamically, it doesn't work like that. We know the foundation of Islam is the Yom al Like it's, it's, it's like one of the pillars of Iman, right? If you don't believe that, you're not a Muslim, right? right. Yeah. So yeah. how can you have a contract where no one's, in, no one's accountable? Like on the Day of Judgment, when, when these corporations do crimes, who's in charge, right? Mm -hmm. So in Islam, it would be the partners, right? So when the, those partners do, uh, you know, when the, if, a, if a, a Muslim's partnership, like in, in uh, well, not you and me, because we want to do haram, but like if there's a partnership between Billy and Jimmy and they're doing haram, you know, they're accountable, right? So similarly, right. when it comes to these things with the, with the Apple, for example, like when they're doing haram, like for example, like in, in, uh, in the iPhone factories in India, they don't pay their workers, right? Now, of course, they kind of go through some kind of, you know, some risk management. There's a kind of gap between them and the iPhone manufacturers. But the point is that it's haram not to pay the worker his wage, right? So who's yeah. accountable for that on the day of judgment? Well, the way it works Islamically, it's the partner. So if any Muslim is invested in Apple, any of those crimes that Apple does, uh, you know, whether it's, it's as, as uh, egregious as like denying poor people in India their wage or something like buying alcohol for the Christmas party, that rolls up to your balance sheet on the day of judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Where's the limit? Where's the evidence that well, you, you can have a, a, a pass that, oh, I don't, I'm not involved in an Apple's riba, right? Like some of these uh, Islam, so-called Islamic uh, Dow Jones and things like that, they're invested in a lot of these tech companies. Mm -hmm. And- and so how, how is it that on the day of judgment, these crimes, no one is accountable for them, right? Like, how do you say that I invested in this company and I'm not accountable on the day of judgment? This goes against what we learn as children about the thing that anything we do and what we do with our money, we're accountable for it, right? Let me, let me push you back on this. I mean, sure. for example, if I, uh, you know, why should, we, why should I be accountable for someone else's crime? 
Well, it, because it's not someone else's crime, right? That's the interesting is that it's the Islam, the way Islam approaches is this, it doesn't separate the accountability, right? Like, because what it does, we don't have this concept of corporations. These corporations are an innovation of capitalism. They didn't come from Islam, right? They weren't there at the time of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Like, what is a corporation for the purposes? It's a, it's a, ironically from the, it, it's, it's a, a state initiated creature, right? Like it's a, it's a person that's invented by the state, right? Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it can sue, it can be sued. And, you know, when you learn in, uh, you know, business class in high school, it's, it's, right, it's yeah. amazing because it lasts forever. But yeah. this is not an Islamic concept. Where does this come from? What's, your, what's our evidence that this is a legitimate form of, 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 of uh, company? Yeah, or, of structure, yeah. right? Yeah. But we have no evidence for that, right? And this is what it comes down to is that in Islam, you have to have an evidence, right? Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that whatever is alien to this matter must be rejected. Meaning that when it comes to Islam, uh, that Islam has a certain character to it. And that character is defined by the evidences. You have to have a proof first. You can't just say, well, things are automatically halal, right? You have to look at it in Islam. Like, like so for example, can, can a woman just sell her contract to another uh, sister and then that brother is married to that other sister? So if Khadija sells her contract, she's married to Khalid and she sells her contract to, uh, to, uh, to Maryam. Is, is now Khalid married to Maryam? Of course not. I mean, <laughs> right? And people say, "Of course not." You have to get a divorce first. Well, I thought, I, well, if 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 we're allowed to do whatever we want, where's that? There's no there's no evidence that says that we can't sell a marriage contract, right? Mm-hmm. No, but we know that we have to follow the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the only way he ended marriage contracts is through divorce, right? So it goes back again. If we're making a distinction between marriage and business, it shows that we're influenced by secularism, and it shows that. We, we have become influenced by the system, right? We've become influenced by capitalism. And there's no difference. When it comes to, when it comes to the, the partnership structures, we have to follow exact same rules that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam set up. And there were partnerships where the, the Sahaba did partnerships and they all had an offer and acceptance and they all were between legitimate people, mm-hmm. real human beings. It was no, no idea that where you could just get, accept something without the other side of the contract. So let, let me summarize this uh, so that our audience gets this clearly. So the, the main issue we're saying here is that the, there is a there is a there's a set way that Islam legislates in terms of how a partnership comes together, how you and I can make a company run a business together. Right. That is a contracted partnership, and we have to obviously obey such ahkam because they are from Islam, just like how we obey ahkam related to marriage, where there is a ijab and qubul at the beginning of the marriage that uh, that let, that uh, brings the two parties together, and now you're officially married. Similarly, this concept of ijab and qubul has to be there when you're forming a partnership or you're forming a company to do business. This ijab and qubul is a must in a contract, right? In Islamically, okay. So you're saying that look in these in these uh, corporations in these stock markets, there is no ijab and qubul right. from a individual. It's just this entity, this corporate entity that doesn't have uh, a physical owner essentially, right? Uh, does, it's not a human being. It's just with some entity that you're having a, uh, a, a contracted relationship of buying and selling stocks. Uh, am I summarizing this correctly? That's right. Correct. Yeah. So let, let me add one more point here. I think it's, it's worth noting, especially this issue of how a corporate, for example, especially in, the, in, in capitalism, the idea of a corporation being a person is defined. Right. You know, so that the person, this entity is now a person that can be sued, that can be uh, taken into account and so forth. So what happened in, uh, there was, a, just so that the audience knows, it, back in uh, 
the early 18, uh, late 1800s, the, uh, the 14th Amendment was passed here in the United States, was yeah. passed uh, to basically end the Civil War. Right, and to give equal rights to to black people, right. uh, and this is uh, you know we we talk about the Fourteenth Amendment as being the the constitutional right the black people had or, or or were given so that they were considered full human beings and equal rights and ending of slavery. What happens is that that Fourteenth Amendment is used by corporations to uh, to identify themselves their capital as being uh uh people who have life liberty uh, uh and and so forth right so the state the, the state says okay fine we will will now apply the 14th amendment to these corporations uh and by by 18 i, I believe by 1890 to 1910 there were about 300 cases that were brought about brought in front of the court using the 14th amendment to say that uh the corporation is a person with uh, uh a person as an identity um and then they went along with this so that's the where the corporation turns into this i can be sued and you can sue me and, and all of that stuff correct oh, right mother that's right uh interesting fact you know historical fact. so and out of all of those cases that were brought there was only 19 people 19 african-american black people who actually brought a case in front of the court saying that yo man <laughs> give me my rights <laughs> right yeah so out of all of that right so in essence what happens is the rights were given instead of this 14th amendment giving rights to black people to human beings yeah they actually helped capital they helped corporations right. uh, and uh, from here onwards you see all of these multi-billion dollar corporations forming and, and and so forth the rockefellers and all that stuff that's uh yeah. robert okay. so the issue here again is is the ijab and kabul issue the contract itself is problematic uh uh it is not just about oh i'm just buying and selling and stocks or trading and trying to make some profit the the whole fabric of this issue is that from fundamentally it is not valid because it doesn't follow the islamic principles of a partnership yeah and and, and one of the important things is that uh yeah. In Islam, it's that the one of the other reasons why stocks are haram on top of that is that it's a, it's a major concentrator of wealth, right? Like mm-hmm. the other side of it is that it is a major, when you look at the, the rate of, like when you look at in, in, in the United States, one of the main causes when you, when you actually roll back and look at Amazon or Tyson Foods, these things, yeah. you, you'll find their origins are owed to the capital markets, right? So whether it's stocks or riba, these things yeah. are the, one of the main things that enable the, the massive concentration of wealth. So for example, yeah. when you look at Tyson Foods, Don Tyson, who was the CEO, he was someone who lived through the depression and he understood that if um, that he was going to burn through his operating capital. And so he was trying to figure out how do how does he, you know, survive that, right? Because, you know, just like, uh, you know, just like it's being in an Islam, like you might get wiped out, right? Like the mm-hmm. out, right? Right. What he decided to do is he did, did an IPO. He did an initial public offering and he basically said this, he had a strategy called expand or expire. And that basically what he realized is that he could just buy out the competition. He could just mm-hmm. buy out all the, all the chicken farmers and that you would just basically acquire the market. And so what this does is this is when people are looking like, as this is a big topic right now about, um, yeah. about what to do about monopolies. So there's been a bunch of books that have come out in the last like, couple of years uh, in the United States about this. Um, and, what you will see is the main problem is the capital markets and whether it's stocks or bonds or whatever, but when you're looking from the stock angle, this is what he said. And this is why when you look, go right now to the United States, uh, like 
there, there is no cash market. Like for a man to sell his cattle, uh, there's just big four big buyers. There's no, no longer a, what I would say, open market, right? There's no real market like what we see back home where you have like people coming with their animals and selling to each other. That doesn't happen in the United States because these, these big companies have just bought everything out and there's no real competition anymore, right? So no competition, higher prices, uh, in terms of what the consumer will pay, depressed wages, because now there's only, you know, there's a handful of employers if you make the employer angry and there's no one else to work for because they've completely destroyed the market, right? So when you look at these things, the, the, the stocks are one of the major ways that, that, uh, that the capitalist system has concentrated uh, the wealth. And you look at uh, CNBC recently put out, uh, they were quoting the Federal Reserve and they said that um, the, the top 10% of households basically control 90% of the uh, stocks by value, right? Equities out there, right? Top 10%. So when you look at the stock market and you look at CNBC, you look at whatever it is, Wall Street Journal, all these things, it's only that when you're looking at the stock news, it's only affecting one tenth of uh, one out of 10 households in America. It doesn't affect 90% of people, right? right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that should become mine. What was hilarious about that uh, quote that I got from CNBC is that they said, oh yeah, since stocks, since we, we re- started recording, the top 10% households have always controlled between 70 and 80% at a minimum of, of, of stocks by value. So, right, yeah. and this contradicts what Islam, what Allah SWT revealed in Surah Hashar verse seven, which is that Allah says that, that uh, meaning in English is that, that, that the wealth is not supposed to circulate amongst the wealthy. Because what happened was that I came down in the context was when, uh, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Sahaba conquered Banu Nadir, Allah SWT ordered that the wealth be given to the poor Muhajirin uh, uh, because they're refugees, and then also then the poor Ansar, and I'll explain so that that the wealth doesn't just circulate amongst the rich, and so this becomes a design principle for the Islamic economic system, which is that we have to focus on distribution of wealth. So anything that that jams up the wealth in the hands of the one percent would be haram. Yo, man, you sound like a socialist. What is this? <laughs> Take you know, fight fight the power, fight the man, fight the the one percent. It is obviously Islam is much different than that, right? I mean, because usually this is the argument. People say, you know what? Oh, we need to, uh, you know, the, the alternative that is typically offered when you talk about standing up against the one percent. Oh, you want to go back to socialism, right? And that's that's unfortunate with this binary thinking because Islam yeah. has is its own system, right? Some some would describe Islam as the middle of the road. I would never describe it that because Islam is its own way of life that is based on ishtihad that doesn't care about socialism and capitalism. And then if you brought Imam Shafi back, he could easily develop an economic system. Um, you know, based on his understanding of his, uh, you know, based on his asul. And, and I think that that's what Muslims have to double down on. And, and it's that when you look at the partnerships, uh, partnership contract, it's such an elegant solution. And it could only come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it simultaneously enables entrepreneurship because you still have to be an entrepreneur. So when you look at the Islamic economic system, if you're a wealthy person, right, in the Islamic system, you can invest in bonds, you can invest in mutual funds, you can invest in stocks, because these these tools, these uh, vehicles don't, simply don't exist. Your only avenue is partnership structure. So for those who've watched Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, um, the where the wealthy will invest in in uh, in, uh, in in entrepreneurs, that'll be the norm in Islam, right? That'll be the only way that these wealthy people can grow their wealth. They can invest in their own business. But as you can see on, on these shows, these wealthy people realize that there might be an entrepreneur out there who can grow the money better than they can, 
right? Maybe right. they can yeah. do real business and things they like have that. Have a better so, idea, a better product, or whatever it is. Exactly. Capital, right? right? Okay. And, and one of the things Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, and this is a very important point: greed is not the problem, right? Because Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, if you give the son of Adam one valley of gold, he'll always want another, right? Meaning that that's in us. But we see what Islam does. Islam channels it in a positive way. Because when you're building a company, mm-hmm. it automatically addresses both entrepreneurship and distribution of wealth exactly at the same time. Because the more Islam, more business you do in Islam, everyone benefits from that, right? Whereas in capitalism, because of the capital markets, you end up with this concentrated wealth in the hands of the 1% because that's what it's designed to do. Remember, James Madison, free, minority the opulent. That is the purpose of government. That's the purpose of society, right? Whereas Islam... Because it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, any rule, even when, uh, when, for example, Mansa Musa, when he was loaded, like mm-hmm. when he, he, some say he was worth 400 billion, but that's just a, you know, just an out of the air estimate. When he went for Hajj, he caused inflation because he was giving so much money, right? So when he's wealthy, everyone gets wealthy. And we know that he was one of the people who established Timbuktu as a, as a huge uh, center of learning, right? Yeah. So when you look at, compared to like Bezos, Bezos, what he wants to do with his money, he wants to fly to, uh, you know, he wants to go to space travel. Huh? Yeah, he <laughs> wants to go to Mars. He doesn't want to pay his workers. He doesn't care about his workers, right? Like, he makes yeah. a big deal about paying them $15 an hour. But, um, you know, uh, the these poor, poor people are worked to death. Like, you know, uh, like... Let, let, let me double back on one, a couple of things here. You know, sure. so, you know, where you said, look, this, the, the contract is, is not valid. It's haram. This, uh, buying and selling stocks is, is not according to Islamic, uh, Islamic uh, principles. But, you know, we have a lot of contemporary scholars uh, who say this is halal. And we have, uh, you know, these so-called Islamic finance companies, mutual funds, uh, and, you know, like Amana mutual fund and all that stuff, you know, no need to name names, but there are all these, there are all these companies, these uh, modalities of, of investing in the current stock market. And, and they say, look, this is halal. These are your halal options uh, of investing in stocks uh, while being halal. What are they missing? You know, what, what have they, they, they not understood about this and how is that they're saying this is halal? So, I mean, their, their understanding is that, again, it comes back to the idea that, that things are automatically halal. Like the Islamic finance movement is based on this incorrect opinion, which crept in prior to the colonization. Like the, the weak understanding of Islam, this was shared by the Ottomans. Mm-hmm. And it led to part of our, the reason why you and I are speaking English and not in Ottoman Turkish or in Arabic, right? So it's like, you know, the, the idea is that uh, the Ottomans had a you know, weak understanding of Islam and, and that this kind of unfortunately has continued in the Islamic and so that goes back to what I said about uh, yeah. what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said about anything that is alien must be rejected. And he also warned us about not following the sunnah of the Jews and the Christians and the Romans and the Persians, right? So in a separate hadith, he warned us that we would follow the Jews and Christians even to a lizard hole, right? Meaning that this is a dangerous thing to follow the manhaj of the Jews and Christians. And what is their manhaj? It's capitalism, right? They've mm-hmm. abandoned their, 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 the Christianity. They've abandoned the Jewish uh, you know, ideas, and they've followed capitalism, secularism, right? They sec- Europe secularized, and all these the Ahlul Kitab adopted this this new deen, right? And so Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi has especially warned us from doing this, right? So, so, so I would say is that don't let the reality define your thinking. Like we need to go back to the soul. We need to go back to the soul fiqh, and we need to go. We need to look at these these principles fresh, right? And that is, you must make ishtihad. You can't just automatically do that. And and you know, you look at a lot, I was, when I was doing, um, I was looking at some of these Islamic funds and they invest in Apple and Apple makes billions in riba, billions, not like, not like chump change. Like they make net 800 million on in riba and they, 
they spend billions on riba and then they make billions on riba because these guys are awash in cash Mm-hmm. And and so like how I mean how do, how do we justify this? We know that you know the cursed is the one who gives riba. Cursed is the one who takes riba, right? From the hadith, right? So how yeah. do we justify this? So you know, but we can say somebody come can come along and say, look, I'm not investing in riba. I'm only investing in stock. Right. How do you answer that? Well, that's again, it goes back to that issue that things flow up. Like, how do you how do you disconnect that thing? So some people will say, well, I give it in charity. Well, you're on your record. It still says, you know, so and so has dealt in riba because you bought this 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 company. And because because on the day of judgment, we're accountable for all our investments. You know, Allah will ask us about our wealth. So it it comes on your uh, tax returns. Interest earned this much while you earned. Okay, well, so. The tax returns on the day of judgment. Tax right? on the day of judgment. Yeah. But, you know, I, I find that, you know, you, you're saying that, look, um, this it's kind of saying that, look, it's, it's as simple as these are incorrect ishtihadat, where some people, some uh, contemporary scholars have said Islamic finance, mutual funds, and all of that stuff is allowed because they haven't looked at the issue properly. Right. right? Uh, they're not looking at the contracts properly because they don't, they don't meet the Islamic standards of the contracts. And secondly, uh, the reality of a company, uh, of how a company is formed is completely different in capitalism and how these stock companies work versus in Islam. So yeah. that, in, from that basis, this becomes a incorrect trade, right? A, a, hala, a, a haram trade for us to be involved in. And I hope that, you know, our, uh, this is understood well for, for our, our viewers and inshallah, you know, if, if the brothers or sisters who are watching, if you have any questions on this, definitely go uh, just comment on, uh, on the page and, and ask your questions. But you know, what you, what you're saying is, is, is not common. Uh, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Um, majority of the people do are, are involved in this, especially uh, uh, um, specifically Muslims, are involved in, in some of some sort of investments and, and, and so forth. They don't realize that these are all as problematic as, as you you have described. The question then is, what's the alternative, right? I mean, what you know, if you're saying even the Islamic finance supposed to be halal, but even they have to, you know, uh, uh, take a take an incorrect or a bendy, crooked road to to halalify something. Correct? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Excuse me. <laughs> so, what what do we do then? I mean, uh, you know, what do we do? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, this is the, this is your own ingenuity, right? So, it's yeah. like you have to you have to kind of look at the hakam and you have to look at that. So. So in, especially in the United States, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there, like in terms of, you know, um, so brothers can get together, form a Islamic partnership and buy a house, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of you know, do, you know, the way they, you know, flip houses, there's like different markets where you can get in, um, you know, much with a much lower capital, you know, like depending yeah. on where you can come into the, you know, the United States, like, so Idaho is much cheaper than say San Francisco, right? For example, <laughs> yeah. like, to, you know, to flip a house there. The other thing is like metals, you know, like as long as, you know, when it comes to gold and silver, you can do hand to hand. Like if someone invested at, you know, a thousand bucks in 1971 in, yeah. in gold, they'd be doing very well right now, right? right yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, and there's other metals like platinum, palladium, these types sure. of things kind of resources stuff like that. also like brothers are like there's a lot of brothers who you know hustle like they do businesses so you know why don't we yeah. get together and uh, and, and help and help them and invest in them there's a lot of rich brothers in the states you know right. doctors and things like that yeah but i mean right. i i find that very easy to uh, to uh, 
to get around. I mean, if you want a business, you can run a halal business without even getting into all of this stock stuff or interest stuff. It's it's easy. I don't I don't see why people try to make this so complicated. Really, right? Um, you have you have your your local uh, you know back in the sixties when we sixties uh, and seventies when uh, when your chacha opened up a little convenience store, right? You know, uh, you know, the, or or back uh, in, in the India, Pakistan, or wherever in the world, people just collect money, take um, uh, uh, loans from their family members, you know, they promise to pay them back, and you can you can you can do all of that stuff. I, I don't see why we have to. Uh, you know, compromise our akhira just for some stocks. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing yeah. is that you have to hustle, right? Like, I mean, the thing is that this this uh, this sort of uh, misunderstanding that, you know, in capitalism that you can just, uh, you know, just sit back and collect the rent checks. This is just a mythology. Even the rich people, they hustle. Like even like billionaires, these hedge fund billionaires, they'll wake up at Fajr, like five o'clock and, yeah. work, and work right from Fajr to Isha, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and then, and even during their meals, they're having uh, dinner with a client. They're not with their family, mm. so you know, we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be like deluded into thinking that you know, you know, work work is hard, you know, and that's just how it is, right? And so, yeah. you have to you have to hustle. So let's um, come to a bit of a conclusion here, inshallah, and then we'll take some uh, questions. We've got a, a few questions coming in. Uh, how do we imagine? A world without these the stock markets, without the so-called uh, these these uh, the, the banks that we know of today, uh, the fiat currency, and all of this stuff that essentially, whether you go whether you're here in the states or whether you're you're back in let's say uh, the old country in Pakistan or or wherever, everything is run on these these markets, right? How do we imagine something that that that's more Islamic? So or, yeah, and that and that goes to the work of the NBA, right? Is yeah. that um, is that when we look at Rasulullah wasallam in Mecca or the Anbiya that came before, they were they had vision. Now, some people like that word vision, right? But what does vision really mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you look at the word vision, right? People, it sounds nice, right? It sounds something you put in a PowerPoint deck, right? But but in reality, visions are visionaries are lonely, right? Because the they what they what they see in the future is doesn't exist in the present, right? And so when they look into the future, uh, they see a they have a, a a target and and they work towards it, right? And, and this is when we look at our, uh, our beloved messenger, وسلم, we see that. So one of the things that came about, in, one of the things that he brought forth, which was radical, was the idea of the Islamic bond, right? The idea that we would bind together, not based on tribe, but based yeah. on the Islamic bond, right? And so when, one of the, uh, when the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was happening, we saw this idea, um, how it, it it was hard for some of the people at that time to come overcome it. So there was Urba, Urwa bin Masood uh, when he was one of the people who came before um, Suhail bin Amr. Suhail bin Amr is the one who negotiated the, the Hudaybiyah Treaty, right? Treaty, yes. But Urwa bin Masood, when he went in, what he, what he, when he went to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said to him, basically, like these hodgepodge of people you have, like the, you know, that's a loose translation of the word, mm. they're just going to leave you, Right. And, you know, obviously Abu Bakr in that instance got very angry and, and basically swore at him. But, but, the, but, the, but the bigger point here is that Urwa bin Masood at that point couldn't understand how people would bind on an ideological level, right? He only, was, he only saw the tribal bond as mm-hmm. the way. But what's interesting yeah. is the conversation he had with Quraysh when he went back to them. And basically he said that he saw that the power of the ideological bond. He saw that how the Muslims were, like how the Sahaba loved Rasulullah and he said, 
and then he realized that this is a much more powerful way of being. But the idea that in, in Makkah times, the idea that you would abandon your tribe was just preposterous, right? Yeah. And this is and it's the same thing today. And what I would what I would draw people's attention to is Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio is a billionaire. He's worth 18 billion. So he's not some communist, he's not some anti-capitalist, he's a capitalist, right? Yeah. And he you can see this post on LinkedIn. He says that something to the effect that like socialists don't know how to grow the pie well and capitalists don't know how to share, uh, the, share the pie. Or divide the pie, yeah. Yeah, divide the pie, right? And so this man is lost. Mm. But, but the Muslims in, in America and in the world have the hidayah. We say at least 17 times a day, right? We have the guidance. And this is the point. This is what it means to have, have a vision. We need, there's people like Ray Dalio who are billionaires and there's people like in your, in your work, there's people in your classroom who are looking for answers? They don't. They know capitalism doesn't work. Just like just as, as Ray, they don't. They know capitalism doesn't work. They know socialism doesn't work. What works is Islam. How, how do you th- like when we talk about Mansa Musa? We talk back in India, Pakistan. In India, yeah. Pakistan, there was no when the Mughals ruled. There was a famine on average once once every hundred years. But when the capitalists came in, the British, there was a famine every four years. That didn't happen magic automatically. That happened because yeah. of the application of Islam, and that's what. Hmm. need to advocate for in, uh, in, and, 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 and call for people just like the NBA used to call for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should also call them and I think that, and this is an opportunity I think especially because of what you know obviously communism and, and, and socialism failed and, and for the past 30 years it's just right. been capitalism and, and only capitalism and it's boom and bust and, and, and so forth and this is an opportunity for us as uh, Muslims to offer the Islamic economic system, the Islamic model as a solution to the world's yeah. problems. And and when I when I think you and I would agree on this, and then when we talk about the Islamic economic system, we're not just talking about zakat 2.5%, right? No. Or no or no interest. And it's it's and unfortunately uh, a lot of the people a lot of Muslims themselves do not understand um, the economic system, how the Islamic economic system, how it works, and it's actually a whole functioning system with its own uh, rules and regulations and how it d- deals with partnership and markets and, 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 and uh, wealth distribution and, and organization of uh, resources and all of that stuff. And inshallah, you know, th- there are, uh, you know, there are other posts um, on this particular page, Convo um, with experts and there are other resources on my Facebook page as well. And on Abu Malik's page as well, that you can actually go into details of, of discussing the economic system as a model, as an alternative to the current order. The problem I, I, I think I, I, I mm-hmm. see, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but I see that what we have been trying to do, especially the ones who talk about Islamic finance, they're trying to mold the mm-hmm. Islamic model into the capitalist model. Right. Right. Uh, and, I, you know, this doesn't work. You cannot, you, you, you know, you cannot take the, the divine system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and somehow try and fit and work it into an, a, 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 a human created system, right? right? And this is doing injustice to, to, the, the, uh, to Islam itself, right? Okay. Uh, but I think, and it goes back to what you were saying, uh, Malik, I think the issue is, the vision has to go beyond trying to fit in, right? Fit in by fitting in as, a, as Muslims in the West or fit in Islam to the capitalist order. What, do you have a comment on that? What, what people might be yeah. shocked to, uh, to realize is that when the socialists were around, the communists were around, they used to say Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was the master of social. So, master you know, what, sorry? 
he was the master of socialists. Socialists. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you had your people who were trying to fit Islam into socialism. socialism. Yeah. Capitalism. So Islam is a way of life. Like we, if Islam is a way of life means that it doesn't depend on any other system. It doesn't depend on socialism. It doesn't depend on capitalism. Right. Yeah. Otherwise Islam is not a way of life. Right. Like it can't be that it's a, uh, it, like you said, Islam did not come as a tool to, to serve capitalists. Mm. That's not the purpose, right? Islam came to guide humanity. That means it must have its own solution. It came to teach us how to operate an economy so we all eat and we're all okay. We are not anxious. We all own our own houses. Like, look what's going on in America with the pandemic. 10% yeah, yeah. of the population, over 10% of the population is looking to get evicted. 40 million people. Sure, Biden's put in those kind of uh, thing and, you know, they play around with this stuff and you're going to get your ch- rent, you're going to get your... Yeah you know pile of cash in like march or june or in september or whenever right but yeah. this is not this is is islam came to guide us on these matters right and that it, it it came to 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 govern us and and to take care of us and and what the system we have right now the, the capitalist system does not do any of that all right so i think we'll, we'll end at that i'm sure we can go on for hours sure we can. Uh, but uh there are you know uh, there are a few questions that we'll take inshallah uh just for the audience who's joining late inshallah go back and and uh, review the discussion we started off by, just by explaining what has happened over the past week uh we spoke about how government tries to regulate this and how it continues to fail rather than help uh the people and then we spoke about the halal and haram, which was uh, the major uh, purpose of this whole podcast, uh, uh, was that to understand if uh, all of this stuff is halal or if it's haram. And uh, Malik uh, was uh, was good at explaining this. Alhamdulillah. Uh, let me take a question. This question is from uh, Faizan Abbasi. He he asks, "Can you shed some light on the validity of investing in forex in general?" Um, What's forex? So, uh, so when you when, when you're looking at investing in in uh, dollars, like or like foreign exchange, mm-hmm. so that's so forex. yeah. So that's uh, like people. What they'll do is they'll um, they'll they'll buy like euros and uh, yen and and mm-hmm. yuan and and things like that to you know ba- based on you know to change back and forth between the currencies to you know to make money on the on the on the difference the conversion right yeah yeah the conversion right yeah. so so it's it's allowed as long as uh, it's done hand to hand. You know, Allah knows best, but the, 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 like, just like we're allowed to exchange gold for silver, like we're allowed to change, you know, Canadian dollars for American dollars. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so, the, but the, the thing is it has to be done instantaneously and you must be able to, once you, you should be able to instantly, um, you know, kind of dispense of it. So, and, 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 and to be honest, like you need to be able to do that. Like if you want to time market moves and things like that, you have to do it instantaneously. So it should be, you have instant access to that. Yeah. And that, and you can only go long. You can't go short. As we explained, short selling is haram because short yeah. selling is, uh, involves riba. And right. uh, let, me, let me add on to that question. So for example, when we send money, let's say I got to send money to India, the currency exchange, I'm just sending money to India through, let's say, uh, uh, Western Union. This is okay. Again, the, the, we, you have to analyze the, the yeah. transactions and then you have to make sure that, you know, that, ideally it's the same currency that goes from here to there and then then and right. then there's no delay on the on the, there's no delay so because if there is a delay there's interest there's added money is well, that it's, it's it breaks the rule that it's head to hand right like so that, because of the hadith of rasul when he says the exchange gold for gold silver for silver uh, barley for barley hand to hand that's the hadith correct okay yeah. so, um let me take another question here um this is from 
Pervez Daruwala. He asks, what do you say about the maxim that the default in financial transactions is permissibility unless you can prove otherwise? Is, or is permissible unless you can use otherwise. He says the question above is for transactions uh, is for transactions are not explicitly prohibited. Hmm. Yeah, so that goes again back to what we talked about earlier about the Ottomans. The Ottomans had this you know weak understanding of Islam um, yeah. that, that the default in transaction the default in actions was permissible, right? And they gave right. a number of evidences for that. But we know that, like, for example, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when uh, one of the sahabis was on his deathbed and uh, the the he had not come down yet about, for example, for inheritance, right? So he, yeah. sallallahu alayhi wa didn't answer him about how to divvy up the inheritance. He waited right. till he got the wahi and then he yeah. told him the, the hukum, right. right? So in addition to what I mentioned earlier in the, in the discussion, which is that, um, you know, when it comes to... Uh, you know, the, what is alien to this matter must be rejected. Because that hadith alone to me is the, like, a, it's like the, is the most direct. Because yeah. that means Islam has a certain character and the kufr has a certain character, right? And yeah. what's the boundary between the two is the evidences. So if you don't make ishtihad, how do you know what, you, what is alien and what is native to Islam, right? Like based on that hadith. Because the Rasulullah says, I'm saying if this is alien, like corporations, as we discussed, are alien to Islam, it must be rejected, right? Because there's no basis for to say that a corporation is Islamic, right? right. So what is compulsory is for us to make ishtihad. Things in their default neither halal nor haram, right? They're just unknown until you make the ishtihad. Now, I think the, the question is good because this is a very commonly held opinion among Muslims that uh, every shayar or everything is halal uh, or every action is halal other, right. other, unless there is a hukum specifically saying it's haram. Right. That's an incorrect understanding of the maxim. It's, a, it's unfortunately used a lot of times even by... I know, well-trained people, uh, but it, this is an incorrect understanding. By default, yeah, so, what we... Yeah, to your point, things in their default are halal. Things right? in their default, correct, exactly. So the, your actions, whatever you're doing, uh, they are restricted by a hukum shari. Unless right. and until you know the hukum shari related to the action, right. then uh, then that becomes halal or haram. So it's, they're always restricted. It's not just open game for all actions. No, because how is Islam a way of life, right? right. Like we're just yeah. going to absorb from capitalism. When we live under communism, we're going to absorb communism. When we live under the Persians, we're going to absorb their system. Like what it, then Islam is not a way of life, right? It's just, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just not a way of life. Correct. Um, which is different than in terms of shay or things which are automatically halal unless there is a, uh, unless it is specifically prohibited so, yeah, so you might using, take using my mic here is halal i mean there is you don't need to have a hukum sharia right like like so, a good good example yeah. if you get lost in the jungle and you eat a berry and you you think it's okay but then you get intoxicated then you know afterwards not to eat that berry again right because you know it's right. an intoxicant but in its default because you didn't know what it was you're allowed to eat it right but until you find out it's haram right correct let me go to, I think this would, we'll take this one last question, a final question, and then sure. we'll come to a close. Um, this is from Hudayf Khan. Uh, when, when Muslims, uh, when, when these Muslim stock people say something is Sharia compliant, what are they referring to? And how is it that these people that are going to school to learn Sharia and can neglect the principle of contracts? Ooh, Hudayf Khan lighting some fire here. <laughs> what, I would, what, I, what I would warn uh, yeah. and, you know just to kind of make this a, like to take this question productively is we have to yeah. be aware of the capitalist system right um, you know you know what you witnessed in the United States in the recent election I would kind of draw people's attention to that is that 
the capitalists are experts in causing uh, people who don't believe in a system to compromise, right? They're, that's their lean is based on compromise, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what they did to the labor movement. When the labor movement was, was back in the 19th century, they were courting right. socialism yeah. and communism. They made a compromise movement, which was the unions. The unions were, uh, they, they like rich capitalists like Marcus Hanna was Republican. Republicans actually supported unions and they worked with Mark, uh, Samuel Gompers, who was a, uh, like a union activist, right? And so they worked with them. And this was, and, and as long as communism was around, and they, oh, oh, um, Pan, the, the elite capitalists openly said, we just want to get rid of socialism. That's why we're supporting the unions. And yeah. so then when you hit Reagan and then the 80s and things like that, they got rid of the unions, right? And so we should be, we should be aware that we should never compromise our deen, right? That these kind of solutions that are half, like seem half Islam, half capitalist are yeah. designed to make us comfortable, make us forget our, our real vision, which is to establish an, an an economic system that won't just benefit Muslims, but will benefit everybody on planet earth because we need the capitalism is destroying the planet. Like in just in clothes and, and, uh, and electronics alone, and the amount of waste that is produced every year is 200 billion pounds. That's, Mm -hmm. that's about the, if you look at an average weight of human beings, that's 1.6 billion human beings, brothers and sisters, this is not sustainable. This system, and this is driven by the stock market, 10% and must grow 10% every year. Right. So what we have to realize is that human, the human race and that this system is not, is not sustainable, you know, and, and like they, they, the, the, whether it's the sweatshops and the output, this is not sustainable and we need Islam. The Islamic system must come back. It's the only hope for humanity. And I think that's a, a positive light to end on, uh, on uh, definitely the Ummah and the world does need Islam and Islamic, Islamic system, uh, a, a different world order. Uh, to to bring back light to this dunya, inshallah, uh, the light of Islam, the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Jazakumullah khairan, Malik. Uh, thank you for helping us to this discussion, inshallah. It was beneficial for everyone who listened. Uh, may Allah Azza wa Jal accept this as part of your rewards, Malik. Jazakumullah khairan again. Uh, we will keep the chat open for any other comments or questions. Uh, myself or Malik will respond or have a, for the discussions if that's the if that if uh, people are still willing uh, to discuss this topic. But definitely check out Malik's uh, blog, Malik's website, uh, it's freshnomics.org. Uh, mashallah, he's pretty active. Listen, listen to his lectures. He's got stuff on his Facebook page as well. So uh, very easy to read, not difficult. Uh, for people, lay people like myself who don't understand stuff, uh, mashallah, he's, he's done a good job uh, in explaining some of these things, and especially about uh, in terms of laying out the Islamic economic model as an alternative. Jazakumullah um, khairan, everyone. Jazakumullah khairan again, Malik. Uh, may, uh, may, uh, and anybody who's joined us, may, I hope this was of some benefit, inshallah. Uh, keep us as in your duas, inshallah. Until next episode, Jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.